Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and AHA That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, I can tell you that Luis Gallardo is the founder and president of the World Happiness Foundation and World Happiness Fest, author of Happitalism and the Exponentials of Happiness, director of the Gross Global Happiness Program at the United Nations University for Peace. Luis Gallardo is a social innovator and entrepreneur with the higher purpose of elevating the vibration of the planet by developing ideas, connecting thought leaders, activists, and communities, and increasing awareness on the science of happiness, holistic education, and smart innovation. Over the years, Luis has been an advisor to CEOs, thought leaders, entrepreneurs, Nobel laureates, political and institutional game changers on strategic personal positioning and brand building. That access to the brightest and most conscious individuals has inspired him to understand that the world needs new lenses to realize growth and how humans and societies can thrive. Luis has worked too in the corporate world as a global executive and has been a protagonist of the transformation of industries such as professional services and the internet and the internet. Louise has been an international observer with UN and OSCE in post-armed conflicts, establishing democracy and the right to vote. For Louise, happiness is a human right and a life choice, an enabler of human development and social innovation. That is why he's committed to creating with initiatives such as B and the World Happiness Foundation and World Happiness Fest Spaces for Academics, activists, social innovators, scientists, governmental leaders, institutional and leaders in general to share and learn and feel and understand and act towards a happier world and thriving societies. My goodness, Louise, welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you today? <laughs> I'm, I'm fearless today. Thank you so much, Lisa, for having me. <laughs> Well, clearly you are fearless. I mean, that's quite the repertoire. And I just want to say, I love the whole concept of social innovation, because oftentimes when we're talking about entrepreneurs or we're talking about, you know, 21st century, we're talking about different types of innovation. And I think more than ever, the world is starving for beacons of light such as yourself, for the people who are continually finding creative strategies and ways in which to pay it forward and to be of service. So I want to say how much of an honor and a privilege and a pleasure it is to have you on the show today. 
Well, I, I can I can only say thank you so much. What you are doing is phenomenal, and I and we need we need many 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 social innovators. So let's let's see if we can inspire a few more to join a bio service. That's uh, that's what what the world needs today. Absolutely. So let's t let's talk about your plight, your mission about happiness and why happiness specific because there's a lot of great causes and there's a lot of things that we all as human beings on the spectrum of emotion want to feel wish to feel aspire to feel happiness what, what is predominantly more so important about happiness than anything else for you yeah this is this is a great question because um when when we explore what are the key drivers for for human beings to drive, there are there are a number of, of drivers, um, and and actually at the same time when we look at what is the state of being that we are searching and we are trying to achieve as a, a human species, we we realize that there is a state uh, that is called and it's between love and peace that is a state that really brings us a lot of uh, bliss, a lot of uh, calm, and this is a state where we really want to be at some point. Uh, but in order to get to that state, and I call it fundamental peace, because it's the combination of your inner peace with the outer peace, which is the conditions, uh, we need to think about drivers that really can get us individually and in community to that state of fundamental peace. And, and I've been exploring and researching uh, for many years what are those key drivers and what are those key levers. Um, and I came up with three. Uh, one of them is freedom. And it's the freedom, the freedom to be. Uh, because uh, we can think in many different ways, but we are, we are already something. We are always trying to find the next um, project. We are always living uh, in lack. And because we are living in lack, we are always searching for something else. But actually, when we stop and we understand that we are already who we are, that, that gives us a lot of freedom. So freedom, and we can go deeper into the, the concept of freedom, but freedom is a key element of fundamental peace. The second element, key element, is consciousness. Mm -hmm. And consciousness is one of those um, words that is very, very difficult to explain and is very, very difficult as well to grasp because that requires not just a, a understanding yourself, but understand yourself into the, the energy. We can call it the energy field. We can call it the cosmos. We can call it... Uh, the collective uh, energy that we have all around. So we cannot really achieve um, full consciousness if we are not connected and we don't understand that we are connected. So I say that is freedom is to be consciousness, is to expand and evolve. And then there is a third element that is the activator. Is a is really important activator, and that and I call it happiness. And happiness actually is an element that is not just to be happy, it's to be happiness. Happiness is the element that brings so much energy to the system and it becomes really the, the lever, it's kind of the 
the, the spark in the system. So when we are happiness and we combine that with consciousness and with freedom, we are really setting the path for fundamental peace. So that's why happiness um, is, is so fundamental. Happiness is one of those words as me, that, that mean a lot to many people. Happy birthday. And we say that uh, millions and millions of times every year to I want to be happy or I wish you happy. Uh, so it's one of the words that is understood by everybody. But at the same time, it's really misunderstood because it's related normally to pleasure. And however, when we look at the science of happiness, and this is there is so much going on now around the science of well-being, of wellness, of happiness, and positive psychology and positive education, we realize that uh, uh, it has so much ground and so much uh, and it's been proven to make a fundamental impact in in people in communities in societies so that's why um, happiness is, is is for me the is the big spark into the system and when we combine freedom consciousness and happiness we are completely wired and ready to be fearless Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. So as you were talking, I had a lot of downloads and I have a plethora of questions I want to ask you. So I'm going to see if I can juggle all these balls and, and ask them simultaneously. Um, so in terms of, and I like to play devil's advocate quite a bit because I think by doing so it invites the listeners to really dig deep and extract upon things that they might already uh, have misconceived notions of so let's strip it down and let's talk a little bit from your perspective Luis what if anything is the fundamental difference between happiness and joy is it just semantics or or is there a common denominator or is is there some discerning difference that would differentiate between the two yeah this is a great question and and you know because um we have to put words to everything, sometimes it's very, very difficult to put words and labels to emotions and sentiments and states. So I think that uh, at some point, joy and happiness can mean the same for some people. At some point, they might be different. It really depends on the definition. So for example, if we look at is the official, kind of scientific definition for for happiness is 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 subjective well-being we get we go into the subjectivity of the well-being and this is part of the research so when when researchers look at happiness they look at it like they look at it from a from a subjective point of view uh, when we look at joy we are looking at the state is a state of being and some people say that happiness is a state of mind so normally, it's very, happiness is very much related to our thinking, our, to our thoughts, to the way we, uh, we understand and we act on emotions, being an emotion in many, in many ways. And joy is, for many other people, is, is a fundamental state of being. But at the same time, for many other people, happiness is a state of being as well. So this is um, it's very important, and this is what we do as well as part of the World Happiness Fest and the, the Happiness Foundation is to is to bring bring to the table as many definitions as people have in their mind. 
because then when you frame the definition, then you can go deeper into the next step. For me, happiness, and this is why we use it, is the combination of uh, your talents, is your gifts and your passion with a purpose. And the purpose is to serve. Mm-hmm. So actually supercharge the, this definition. It's like you cannot really achieve happiness if it's not in the benefit of others. If you are thinking just of yourself, you are going to stay in a, you, you, are, you, might, you might be in a state of pleasure. You might be in a state of, um, of feeling good, but you are not going to really optimize the fundamental uh, opportunity to use happiness to serve others. Bingo. Bingo. Sir, the, the happiest people that I know on the face of the planet who are able to maintain being in that sphere and that realm of energy are the ones who are the servant leaders. The ones who continually contribute to society, the ones who are uh, always looking to collaborate, trying to find solutions to problems as opposed to being problem saturated. So I wholeheartedly subscribe to that whole ideology and that philosophy, Luis. Um, What I would like to ask you too is given that happiness is so subjective, how do you measure it? How do you qualify it? How do you quantify it? And is it a, a state or a sphere energetically that one can remain within a hundred percent of the time, given the fact that we're all humans, given that things externally do happen to us, which, and I know mindset, it's, you know, mind over matter. But if we look at the pandemic, for example, and the various ways in which people are either coping or not coping, coping well, not coping well. um, What do you say about measuring happiness how how do you know where you are within the barometer of happiness regardless of the fact that you might be an eternal optimist regardless of the fact that you might be successful regardless of the fact that you might be a a servant leader all of those things that you explained that would embody the principles um and the criteria for being happy but how do you measure that yeah this is this is a great question again and 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 basically, you me- the only way you can measure it is by by combining objective with subjective questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in this case, now we we are moving into the space of multiple inputs in order to me- in order to measure it. And those inputs go from questioning to basically ask people, "How do you feel? Are you satisfied overall with your life?" And there are different scales that have been created from different researchers. Uh, one of, there are two that uh, are commonly used. One is uh, Ed Diener's, uh, who is kind of the, the, the father of all these happiness space from a scientific point of view. And the other one is from Sonia Lubomirsky. So there are two scales, they are subjective. They are basically four or five questions that are asking you how satisfied you are with your life. If you want to, if, if you had to live your life, would you live it again as it was? And, and you're asking basically subjective questions around your overall satisfaction with your life. But then now we can we can track um, our basically our health as well. So we all have a watch, we all have a wearable, we, all, we can use sensors, we can screen our sweat, we can screen our uh, heart rate, 
Uh, so actually, when you combine uh, different inputs from heart, from your mind, from your skin, uh, with subjective questions, then you are getting a really full spectrum of how people really feel. And it's interesting because when we ask people about emotions, really few people can describe more than five, six emotions. If we are, if we are lucky, we can say sad, we can say excited, excited, uh, um, I, I feel angry, but actually there are more, and there's a huge map of emotions out there with more than 360 emotions, but we are not able to name more than five. Uh, so this is, this is really important in order to understand what the opportunity to self-manage and self-regulate our state of being, which is understanding how we feel at every moment in time. Then you ask about um, if we can sustain uh, happiness 100% of the time. And the answer is no. And we can get to a state of fundamental well-being. And a state of fundamental well-being, it's, it's a state where fundamentally <laughs> you feel good, where mm -hmm. uh, you become less judgmental, when you become less attached to things. Uh, actually, when we look at the path of uh, awakened people, people who are in another, we see them that they, they vibrate in another, in another level because they are able to to be much much more calm, you you are with them and you feel good. All all that people have elevated their being into a state where fundamentally they are a, in a really good mood. But it doesn't mean that at some point they're gonna get angry. It doesn't mean that at some point they're gonna be sad. It, it doesn't mean that at some point they are gonna be overexcited. And, and that's the beauty of, of being human. The beauty of being human is that we have a spectrum of emotions that are actually coming from memories mm -hmm. or they are coming from uh, thoughts uh, and, and understanding if they are coming from either thoughts or memories or actually are coming linked to the subconscious is something, is a, a whole exercise. Actually, this is why we, we really want to promote this space because we don't have enough education to understand the beauty and the complexity of going deeper into understanding emotions how, and how to measure them. So, so, so yes, I mean, answering is uh, we have to benefit from having so many emotions. We have to embrace them. We have to understand them. And then there are many, many ways to measure overall satisfaction, overall happiness, joy, and anything that you want to, to label it. Beautiful. Okay, well, let me ask and, uh, this, Luis. So as a social innovator and looking, I want this question I'm asking broad spectrum. So from the perspective of the macro level, the collective level, there's a paradigm shift that's going on right now. And some people would arguably say that more people are awakened versus more people still being asleep. Um, and I, I want to get your opinion on that. But in terms of planet Earth right now, in terms of a lot of the heaviness that's going on, a lot of the, the paradigm shift in terms of how we view leadership, who defines leadership, who does not embody leadership regardless of who's at the helm in the position. So if you were to 
as a social innovator, as somebody who, who really does do a lot of research, if somebody like myself were to say, Luis, on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate or evaluate planet Earth's degree of happiness overall? Mm. I love I love the question. Um, okay, I can I can evaluate this, and we can look at so many different rankings and tools and reports that there are around the world. Um, in this case, I, for example, we have the the World Happiness Report. The World Happiness Report is looking at overall a uh, happiness of nations. But I don't think that's the right approach. In the in in here, what we what we really need to measure is the happiness of individuals, um, and and then we have to grow from the individual to the community, and from the community to the collective. And this is part of the the book that I wrote on the exponentials of happiness: how to actually make a happiness exponential as a virus is. Now we don't need to explain too much what exponentiality is because we've seen that with COVID-19. We've moved from one case to millions of cases in in weeks. So how can we do this with happiness? That's that's a key question. You know, to answer that, we need to answer your question first. What is the level? What is the baseline of overall happiness around the world? And this is something that um, we have to ask each of us. When we look at the statistics that they are around uh, in the world, we can see that, for example, in the US, uh, even increasing the level of wealth, the level of happiness has decreased over the last 12 years, for example. Uh, And this is collective. Um, And that goes from a potential of 100, of 100% of being the maximum happiness that you can be, uh, happy that you can be, to a zero level. Right now in the US collectively is no is no higher than 50-60%. Uh, something that in the US especially is going on is that is a society that is really, really driven by fear in many ways. So actually your your whole position in an and show of fearless is is spot on. Because one of the things that uh, is being researched research and 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 and, and compare in many ways with other cultures is, is how a, a risk and fear are part, intrinsic part of um, the culture in the US. On the other hand, you have the whole um, individualism, the whole American dream where I can achieve anything that I can, that I, that I want to achieve. So actually it's, it's a really interesting combination between a lot of fear, a lot of risk. You see the political campaigns is all about fear from both sides. Uh, you see about uh, the litigation space is all about what is going to happen if something happens. So it's always, and, and being, uh, having been in the corporate world for a long time, you, you, you really see that before you do anything, you are identifying so many risks because you want to avoid um, those risks. and and. But when you do that, you are starting to build from lack. So when we look around the world, I would say that overall, the world is not above. Overall, 60% of the whole potential. When we look at consciousness, it's even lower. 
And here, when we look at scales of, um, I mean, for example, David Hawkins uh, scales, uh, basically from zero to 1,000, 80% of the population in the world is not about 200. 80% of the population is below the level of courage. We are living, we are still living in, with courage and the courage is very much related to survival. So, so this is interesting because a scale of consciousness below 200 over 1,000. A scale of happiness is below 60 over 100. When you combine them both, there is a huge opportunity. So I think that we are in a state now and we are in a moment where more and more people are realizing that something has to change. There are emerging systems that are starting to show us that there are different ways to do education. There are different ways to grow um, your family. They are most conscious parenting. They are more opportunities to actually give but uh, but overall i think that we are we are still super super far away of the full potential that we have as human race okay so I, i'm gonna let me ask from a little bit more of an abstract perspective and perhaps it's it's the same question but a little bit more refined on my part and maybe your answer is still the same maybe it's not um so when i ask the question you know, in terms of evaluating or assessing on a scale of one to 10, the overall happiness of planet Earth, right, or humanity, or however you wish to characterize it, deem it, classify it. So if, if I come from the perspective of rephrasing the question, if we all, if we all operate from the premise of we are all one, if, if we are all connected and we are all interconnected, and a bit too prong here, because going back to what you said uh, at the top of the hour, Luis, when you said, you know, happiness really is a derivative that's birthed out of one knowing their purpose and that being generally, uh, if not fully, uh, a predominant factor as it pertains to being of service. So mm -hmm. when, when you're in purpose, when you're in alignment with self, when there's congruency between the internal and the external factors that you described then if if we are if we are to look at it from we are one and we are connected is part of is part of how you assess or evaluate what that ratio is or what that percentage is in terms of evaluating the planet's overall happiness is that contingent upon being able to then evaluate how many people on the globe are in their purpose and acting upon their purpose and being integral with their purpose versus either not executing upon the purpose. And maybe that's just something simply related to the fact that they haven't stumbled upon knowing what that in fact is. So it's a bit, I, I'm trying not to be convoluted here, but it's a little bit abstract in the, in the perspective of if we are one and if we are all connected and interconnected and the way we show up in our happiness is a derivative of being in purpose does that change the percentage or the race ratio or the metrics or the stats yeah this is a fantastic question i love it so let me answer this by focusing on two different elements um one is the oneness and the other one is the purpose um let's start with purpose uh, normally we understand purpose as something that we do 
is something, okay, I have to do this in life. But that's not the real purpose. That's the vocation. That's what we are going to do for work. When we focus on purpose, we have to be on who we are as a person. So our purpose is to be. But we are not going to know who we are until we go deep into our path and our journey to live our life. So, so many people feel really under pressure to find their purpose because they are thinking about they have to do something. It's like, well, my purpose is to be an horse. My purpose is to uh, communicate. My Well, that's not the purpose. That's what you do. Well, you have to go deeper and say, okay, why do you want to do that? What is going to happen when you do it? And then what you realize is that our ultimate higher purpose is to be of service. It doesn't matter where you look and the angle that you take. Everybody, everything exists to be of service. So imagine that we train and we teach our kids at school and when they go to school, the purpose of going to school is to understand how they are going to serve others. So what is the purpose of my education when I go to school? Well, I want to find the way, the tools to maximize how I serve other people. Well, this is a big deal because now, def I mean, suddenly you give us, you give, you give a purpose to education. I mean, we all know our kids. It's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's, it's, about, it's not what you want to be, it's what you want to do. So I, I still remember this quote is super famous that when the teacher asked John Lennon about what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, well, I, I want to be happy. And the, mm -hmm. teacher said, and the teacher was asking, well, you don't understand the question. And he said, well, you don't understand the answer. Yes. Okay. So I think this is, this is very important because if we keep thinking that purpose is about doing something, we are not going to find it. And we are not going to be aligned until we understand who we are and understanding that our purpose is to be. So that, that takes, for some people, a whole life. And some people die without even understanding why they were living. Mm -hmm. And this is really the sad part of, of the humankind. It's like, why are we here? We don't understand. We don't know. And we live in any way. And at some point, because we are not aligned, neither with our um, to-do nor with our to-be, that's going to have a huge impact on your overall personal happiness and the overall happiness of your community. So that's focus on purpose. Let's focus on oneness. Still telling people that we are one is something that 95 the population don't understand because they look at their bodies, they look at their houses, they look at their countries, and all what they see is separation. Mm -hmm. all, all what they see is barriers. So if you tell people we are one, they, they don't get it. We don't get it because we are not one from a, a label point of view. Each human being has an average of 50 labels. 
50 labels go from your name, from the city you were born, from the school you were uh, studying, from your university, from your work. And if you realize every, every one of this community wants to create proud and wants to create pride and wants to make you proud of belonging. But actually by belonging and getting your, um, your label, because you understand belonging as having a label, not as being connected with yourself, you start separating. The moment you become, you have a new label, you create another step, another degree of separation with other people. And because right now in the world, we have so many labels, everybody, we love luxury brands. We are uh, attached to our football team. We are uh, completely attached to uh, our style of living. It's very difficult to understand that we are one and to even realize and feel it because there are so many degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. I think that we need, we need to look at everything from a different perspective. And the different perspective is the mindful perspective. And here is when we get into mindfulness. Uh, but before we get into mindfulness, we have, we have to start with awareness. It's understanding and being aware about all this going on. It's like we are interconnected. Yes. Action has a reaction. A reaction has an action. Yes. Um, there are different labels that we have. Yes. That creates separation. Yes. And now how do we start training all people to understand that this is the state of development of this humanity. So I think that we have a lot of people who we can say are waking up, are awakened, but what it means is that they are becoming aware. We have a few number of people who are mindful. So what I say is that aware is about what's going on. Being mindful is why it's happening. Mm -hmm. And then you move into a third level, which is transcendence which is yes. what for is happening. It's happening. So actually, when, when you get to the what for, so why is not is beyond why is, okay, this is this is going on. I know why. And now is what for. So when we get to that point, then we reduce the number of people, the number of people who really know what's going on. It's, and, and that small number of people have to be really, really wise explaining the others what's going on because because of all those labels and degrees of separation and because we don't understand what our purpose is because we focus on doing instead of being then everybody and many people are going to be really really confused so that's that's why we are not moving as fast as human as humanity as we could be doing because we are still a uh, very ignorant in many ways about what's really going on. Fantastic. Okay. So this thought just occurred to me as I was listening to you speak there, Luis. So if we were to, and this is a little bit of a, an oxymoron, it's kind of one, I don't know if that's the right word, but if we look at similar to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Okay. So if, and I, I don't, I don't like hierarchy, but if we were to, just for the sake of context for this conversation piece, so if we looked at altruism on a hierarchy, 
do you think it's not really the, the problems and the conflicts that we see worldwide? Are you, what is your belief system in terms of it's not really about the haves or the have nots. It's not really about blacks. It's not about whites. It's not about Democrats. It's not about Republicans. It's more about whether you're conscious or whether you're unconscious. Do you think it, do you think all the conflicts and strife that we have in this world basically are deduced to just those two categories? Um, y yes and no. I would say yes is our consciousness. And I would say let's be, let's be careful about polarities. Because yes. actually when we get into non-duality, a non-duality is the higher state of a consciousness that we that we know uh, and that and, and now there is more and more research around non-duality uh, when you go deeper into non-duality basically what it means is that i am that that i am it means that's the real oneness the oneness is that i am you you are me i see you because you are seeing me uh, and this is beautiful because this is what we call be in in our in our language as as part of the uh, world happiness uh, foundation and the world happiness first ecos ecosystem which is being the be of being is being i am that that i am that's non-duality non-duality is full awareness non-duality is beyond mindfulness non-duality means that they are not polarization so it's very easy to, to define myself by the other. And that's the beginning of normally every conflict. And this is part of uh, what I've been working on for many years on conflict resolution um, and peace and peace studies. Uh, is, is, is the basic for every conflict it starts by defining yourself in contrast with in contrast with the other or defining the other in contrast with you and this is the beginning of polarization so it's very easy to simplify and say well black and white jean and jan women and men bad and good super fun, super easy but non-duality is the next step so what i would say is that i invite people to explore non-duality and non-duality is something where you get by contemplation. So it, this is beyond meditation as well. At some point when you meditate and when you uh, do mindfulness, you can get to a cap. You can get to a point where you can go be, you cannot go beyond because it requires to contemplate. And contemplate is beautiful because and it's even easier than meditation because uh, when you use contemplation, you use your mind. And you use your mind in an active way. Uh, and something that I love um, with respect to contemplation is that you can contemplate anything. You can contemplate birds. You can contemplate words. You can contemplate sounds. You can contemplate your own feelings. But it's, it's the beginning of really being aware and expanding the, your awareness. So what I would say is that, yes, I completely agree with you. It's not about Democrats or Republicans. It's not about, it's not about good and bad. But we have to go, to go beyond polarity, and we have to think about non-duality. Okay, well, that's, okay, that, that's, this is really going deep now. So 
Because we know that everybody is operating at a different level of self-awareness, and that comes from the fact that some people are more conscious, some people are willing to challenge their own ideology. Some people are willing to break down the indoctrination, the scripts, uh, the blueprints that, you know, they once was embedded into them. But then they got to a point for those of us who do the work and we're always challenging ourselves. It's not about pointing the finger out externally to, you know, trip other people up or point out what they're deficient in. It's really, okay, what is this here to teach me? Everything is the mirror effect. So again, because we're all operating at different levels of self-awareness, how do you then, if you're really self-actualized, how do you exist within the realm of non-duality without potentially offending other people who aren't there? Because if you say, if you take some kind of controversial issue that's happening in the world right now that we're all impacted by, but if I'm not a black person, if I'm not a person of color necessarily, but I go into that realm of non-duality because of my own individual level of self-awareness, and I am, you know, you are me and I am you, because people are operating at different levels of self-awareness and they're perhaps looking at things from more, um, I don't want to say a superficial, but, a, a, you know, it's more of an exterior rather than an interior per, uh, perspective. So it's like if you try to operate within that sphere of non-duality where it's like your pain is my pain, your win is my win, your goal is my goal, you know, like we're all part of the solution. How do you how do you claim to identify with somebody who is automatically going to take offense to that? Because it's like, how dare you profess or proclaim to understand my plight or my oppression or my marginalization or my poverty or my trauma or my anything when that's not your reality? Because then you get into a whole subjective realm of, well, what is my reality versus your reality? And how do you know? that because I'm an empath or because I'm a light healer, that just because my skin's not black, that I don't understand your pain without offending people. No. Yes, and, and, and Alisa, you are describing uh, what's going on right now. Yes. Uh, at some point, we cannot solve many, many issues at the rational level. And, and right now, what I feel is that we are trying to rationalize everything. And what is justice? What is not justice? What is color? What is not color? What is diversity? What is not diversity? It's all rational, all mm -hmm. rational. Actually, my, my recommendation is to be quiet and to be in silence and, and to make a pause and make silence part of your answers and start asking and basically uh, start feeling. Uh, I I have done so many I've done so many uh, gatherings and techniques where people just uh, stay seated and and through contemplation and through sharing from the core from the heart um, and asking the right questions at the right time, you completely forget that you are living in a world. Uh, with with some so many conflicts going on, uh, we I think that we have to link this as well to what we were talking about uh, about before, which is the labels and and the levels of the 
of the self, the levels of the ego, the levels of the I, the way we define ourselves by putting labels. If we, if I define myself as as a person of color, as a woman, uh, and I attach to it, and if I and if I define myself as a nationalist, as a white uh, male, if I define myself as a survivor, if I define, I mean, the moment I start defining myself and I attach to that definition, I'm going to separate myself from other people. So this is this is profound, but this is the only way. We have to educate and we have to teach and we have to um, open eyes for people to start defining themselves by labels that are not themselves. When we simplify and we go and we peel out the onion and we realize who we are, then we are not going to have this type of conflicts. And, and the only way you identify people who know what non-duality is and the state of non-duality is because it's normally people that they are not going to get into judgment. It's normally people that are going to be very, very smart about reactions. They are going to wait before they react. They are going to um, be constructive. Their attitude is going to be kind. They are going to be using gratitude and kindness all the time. They are going to be trying to find the humor out of the situations. They are not going to get angry just by the but the sake of being angry because something is unjust is basically linked linked to injustice. Anger and injustice are completely linked. And now we see a lot of angry people because they feel that things are not just. Uh, when you funnel uh, anger and you go beyond uh, injustice and you link it to being proud of yourself because you do something, then you start diluting all that angriness. So I think that um, we are living in a, in a phenomenal time because, uh, you know, when you see the pyramid of emotions, in order to get to love and in order to get to happiness, you have to go through the path of injustice and angriness. And, but that's actually the middle of the pyramid. When we go beyond being anger and we move into pride, then we are going to be moving into love, which is belonging. So I'd really like to see the evolution from fear to happiness and joy and bliss and basically a state of being that I call fundamental peace where actually anger is so important. So what's going on now is super healing. This is going to heal so many people because so many people are angry. The moment that we are able to funnel that anger into becoming proud because we achieve something that's going to catapult society into a new, into a new level. So I think that this is, um, this is something to, to look at very deeply with a lot of candor and a lot of kindness and be very, very supportive of so many people suffering now because they, they feel that, they, that, that what's going on in, is not is, is on injustice. So it's beautiful timing to heal this society. I agree. 
Well, let's just, if we could just, and I want to be cognizant of time here too, um, but if we focus on what you talked about in terms of silence, okay, so I'm going to play devil's advocate to that too. So if we look at people like Rosa Parks, if we look at people um, like Martin Luther King Jr., right, um, where it's like silence, and I understand it because there's context for everything. So context for silence, I understand it's about going inwards. It's also about as you said, being contemplative. It's about being introspective. It's about blocking out the noise. And I understand, well, you know, once you get still and once you get silent, that's where the answers can be found. I understand that. I understand meditation. I under, because, you know, I, I'm very dual personality, so I can grasp and understand, comprehend and, and implement all different facets of what I know works, but I also know that there's balance to it all. So, I understand silence, but there are people who would arguably say, okay, but if you remain silent for too long, where do you draw the line between it not perceivably being uh, apathetic or you're being complicit to what's going on by not taking a stand, by not being a Rosa Parks, by not being a Martin uh, Luther King Jr., you know, and, and, and really because oftentimes people band together and are noisy because they're so tired of being oppressed. And I understand that there's a calm way to achieve an objective. And I understand there's an out of control, chaotic way in which to achieve an objective. But when we're talking about the concept of silence, I think that is perhaps because people are interpreting silence differently or people are living in a sphere of silence quite differently where it's being misunderstood or it's being taken out of context. So do you want to talk a little bit about that for just like a minute or so? Yeah, absolutely. And it's so, so important because, yes, you're completely right. When I talk about silence, it doesn't mean not to speak up. It, what it means is to um, retreat in yourself. And what it means is to go deeper into answers that are already part of you. So mm -hmm. silence doesn't mean that I'm gonna go, I'm not gonna go and demonstrate somewhere. Silence doesn't mean that I'm not gonna become a, a governor and I'm gonna get into social service. No, not at all. We have to we have to speak up, we have to we have to say like we have to build and construct. But something is very important, and you mentioned Martin Luther King, and we can mention Gandhi, and we can mention many other people. Something very important is to attach to the principles of nonviolence. And this is something that still few people understand. It's like, well, the means justify the end, or the end is justified uh, by the means that, that, that I use. Well, that's not, that's not really true. Uh, we know that, and, I, and I've seen it. I, I've seen, interna I, I have been international observer in, in many conflicts around the world, uh, and people kill each other. And I've seen those people, and I've seen the people who survive out of those conflicts. When you combine hate and fear, and you don't take enough time to be in silence and retreat with yourself, that's the beginning of a, a potential ultra-violence. 
And when you get into violence, and we've seen this all around the United States now with riots and, and with looting and with so many people going on, on the streets, uh, what we see is that you are using the wrong means to get to the end. And when you use the wrong means, then the end is going to be farther and farther and farther away because the consequences of violence are terrible. And the consequences of violence go across generations. And you think that somebody's going to hit you and you had your hit back? Well, you you rather, you rather think about that because that's going to create a chain of consequences that is going to take even more generations for people to heal. That's why when you're studying on violence, uh, you really, really understand that it's critical that we decide as a human race that we are going to ban weapons, that we are going to ban any type of conflicts. And we are very far away from doing that, but my recommendation to everybody who is thinking of solving issues by getting into frustration and using tools that are not going to be helping to build sustainable societies where people can thrive. People cannot thrive if we are feeling a, a threatened. And the moment anybody thinks of using violence in order to solve conflict, somebody else is going to feel is going to feel threatened. So that would be that would be my answer into silence. Of course, we have to speak up, but at the same time, we have to use the right means to do it. Beautiful. Okay, so I've got one more question to ask you before I ask you where people who are tuning into the show here can reach out to you, Luis. Um, but what do you believe is the correlation or the conduit between happiness and living fearlessly? Mm, I love it. You know something, Lisa, when I, I, I go very often to Bhutan. Bhutan is, is a kingdom in, a Hila, in the Himalayas between Nepal, China and, and India. And and they are predominantly, I mean, the majority of people there are Buddhists. And, and they are, it's so interesting because it's 800,000 people really to find the roots to alignment. So one of the Rinpoches there, um, and, and one of the, actually the executive director of, of Gross National Happiness, when we met, they gave me a name. And in Sanskrit, it's called Jimmy, Jimmy Lewis. And I say, well, what is Jimmy? And they say, he's fearless. Mm, <laughs> so love they, it. They call me Fearless Luis. Uh, and that was in the kingdom of happiness. So that's my relationship of, Beautiful. Fear, of fearless to happiness. Let's remember the combination of a thriving life individually and in community is the sweet, the sweet spot between freedom, consciousness, and happiness. And freedom is very much related to being free of fear uh, and being free of, free of fear uh, is something that you can achieve when you are more conscious and you are more conscious when you start understanding that you have to start by being happy. So it's, it's all interrelated and it's all interconnected. So very much interconnected and fearless and happiness. Beautiful. Love that answer. So, Louise, for the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, for people who want to reach out to you, how can they do so? Well, um, the website of the foundation is worldhappiness.foundation. And the fest is, uh, is there as well, or happinessfest.world. 
and my personal account is at Gallardo World. So you can reach out to me, go to the foundation, and 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 we invite you to to become part of the change. We need change agents, and the only thing to do is and don't worry, you don't have to change the world at all. The world will take care of itself. You have to change yourself. You have to go deeper into who you are, understand what is your purpose, the purpose of being, and from there, just go into the path of love. That's all you have to do. Beautiful. Well, Luis, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. I want to thank you for your tireless work that you continue to do for the collective by paying it forward, being of service. Uh, I think this was one of the most phenomenal interviews I've ever had. This really touched upon all of my favorite subject matters, and uh, you you tied it up quite nicely. So I want to thank you for that. You're always welcome to come back onto the program, uh, Luis. And for the listening audience, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time for joining myself and Luis Gallardo. I really impress upon people to take note of a lot of pivotal information that was shared here. Uh, to reach out to Luis, uh, I would highly encourage you to do so. I'm very exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday, when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, I'd like to wish you a safe, healthy, and uplifted weekend. Until next Friday, love and gratitude, my friends, and love and gratitude to you as well, Luis. Take care. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero. Be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.